Hello and welcome to the Sea of Startups, where we dive into the stories behind the startups in Southeast Asia. I'm your host, Kevin Brocklin, Managing Partner of Indelible Ventures. Now, if you're a founder or funder looking to learn more about what drives the startups in Southeast Asia, this podcast is for you. We're about to sit down with founders to uncover the unique insights into the origins and motivations behind launching their startups. We'll uncover the stories behind the struggles, the ups, the downs guided from the view of an entrepreneur. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's show. All right. My guest today is Alvin Yuan, the co-founder of Healthmetrics. For those of you who don't know, Healthmetrics has designed a unified health benefits platform to manage, measure, and improve the employee benefits strategy. Thank you very much for being here, Alvin. Right. Thank you for having me. Very cool. So the question that I always ask when I meet a founder, as everyone knows, is taking back to the origin story. So tell me, how did you start your entrepreneurial journey and how did you end up launching Health Metrics? Right. Uh, that feels like such a long time ago, right? So so I think uh, so the journey started about seven years back, if I can count correctly. So and uh, actually, I, I felt that uh, it's really more of an accidental journey. So, uh, so I, I knew for a fact where, you know, I wanted to start a business, but, you know, I guess as founders, right, we, we kind of have millions of ideas all the time, right? It's like, hey, you know what, this works, that works. And uh, I was actually always in the, you know, healthcare, medical industry, the insurance part of things as well. So there were actually a million things that, you know, we, we could have actually solved uh, during that phase. But the, the, the accidental part happened when uh, I actually met my co-founder. And I was actually describing to him having this casual chat about, you know, how tough it was for people to navigate through that financial situation of healthcare. And then, uh, you know, as more of a person that is was in the industry, I was explaining and we were actually hitting it off saying that, hey, uh, you know, if you can build something like this, I'm sure there are customers willing to use, right? So that was always the thought process that kind of sparked everything. And so what, what happened from there was my, my co-founder, Edwin, he's the CTO, right? So he's the tech guy. And he actually did this kind of uh, quick research where he asked some of the HR friends and stuff like that. It's like, hey, uh, do you guys have this problem, right? And, and they actually said yes, right? And that's where we actually started things off saying, you know what, let's, let's just try this thing out, right? And, and try to build this you know, platform because it's so difficult to navigate through the user journey of seeking treatment, and understanding who's paying for what. And generally, that's how the entire story started. It, it was really more like, there's nothing to lose, right? So, you know, we started off with nothing. We kind of built the, built the system. And, you know, the rest is history. So, so everything just kind of started from there, you know, for us to actually really jump onto this journey together, you know, where he handles the tech and I handle the business. So what, when you, you know, so healthcare is a bit of a touchy area with sensitive information and complicated policies and so forth. So what did an MVP look like when you ended up going out and, tr and trying to get your first customer? What did that MVP look like? Right. So uh, there is so many facets to healthcare where there are a lot of problems everywhere, right? So the, the, the first MVP for us was asking the first question of who do we want to solve this problem for, 
and how is this going to get solved, right? And you are right. So there were so many regulatory uh, requirements for us to be able to, to go through the hoops. But uh, to be honest, when we first started it, right, it's hard for us to kind of make check on every single regulation before starting something, right? So what we did here was uh, we wanted, we, we actually knew that we, we really wanted to solve the problem for the payers, which are corporate customers in that sense. And by understanding that we are trying to solve this issue of administrative uh, and also helping them to save costs, we are also looking that as a platform then, you know, connecting them to healthcare providers. Are we actually against, uh, you know, the law? Or is there any regulatory issues? And what we found out was interesting, right? We were actually in a very gray area because we actually spoke to, or at least we tried to look for, you know, regulatory in the Ministry of Health, right? Hey, I'm connecting to these guys, to the doctors. Like, is there anything wrong with that? The Ministry of Health was then looking at it and saying that, hey, uh, you know what? As long as you're not providing a medical service, it's a private kind of contract. You're dealing with the customer. So we don't really care. Okay, that, that's not the exact words, but in, 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 in that <laughs> manner, right? So they only want to regulate, you know, uh, doctors or people that is providing healthcare services, mm -hmm. right? So for the longest time, we were in a place like in the no man's land. No one was regulating this space, but we know for a fact we are still processing data and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. So we got to be careful and we know that we are handling, you know, customers' data and their healthcare as well. So we ourselves took initiatives instead to, you know, get ourselves ISO certified along the way, you know, to also ensure that data security remains our top priority so that in the event that this space gets regulated for us, you know, at least we know we have done all we can. Okay. Okay. Right. Okay, and there's there there's no uh, cover, uh, regulation in re in relation to the insurance side of things either, because you're you're basically sitting in between the healthcare provider and the insurer, kind of in that gray zone that you that you mentioned, yeah. Correct. So the insurance uh, it has to report to you know in Malaysia it's Bank Negara, which is mm -hmm. actually the central bank of Malaysia, and the doctors and the hospitals are reporting back to Ministry of Health, right? So. We are that system or the tech enablers that ensure the communications between the insurance and the payers is actually working well with the, the healthcare providers, right? We are ensuring that these guys are talking to each other well, administratively, it's smooth. And also in terms of the finances, it's being actually built and paid for as accordingly, right? So we become more like enablers sitting in between all these parties. And, and then that's why we ourselves wants to protect as much as possible because we are working with sensitive parties as well, right? Mm -hmm. So so we got to take that initiative ourselves instead because no one is looking into it. Yeah, certainly. It's it's better to be ahead of the regulation than behind it because once it comes yeah. in, you've got a lot more work to do when you become a bigger organization than if you would Correct. have set those building blocks earlier. Did you That's look right. to another market as an example? Because for example, in my home country of the US, we have like HIPAA compliance, which is quite strict in regards yep. to patient data. Did yep. you look to an example, whether whether in the region or outside? Yes, yes, we did. So we did actually look at uh, the region and, and I think the nearest neighbor is Singapore, right? So, so mm -hmm. for us, uh, it's always this kind of concept where if Singapore is doing it well, then it's easier for the rest of the region to follow suit. And I think the U.S. has this, uh, you know, more complex environment when it comes to healthcare delivery 
and the different parties that is involved. So we actually look closer to home because the healthcare in general between Malaysia, Singapore, and even the region like Indonesia, it's it's more similar, right? Mm -hmm. The ministries are similar, the insurance policies and how it is being managed is similar. So we actually look to them uh, for also kind of ideas to understand that, you know, how are these people being positioned? But at the same time, uh, it's the same, right? So in terms of whether it's data security, whether it's the compliance, uh, you know, we are actually taking a page out of maybe some of the neighboring countries that have done healthcare really well. Okay. Okay. So let's 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 shift into like the initial stages of getting into the market. So you have the idea, you validated it. When you're talking about like those first steps of getting into the market, I'm gonna venture a guess and you tell me whether or not it's it's accurate or not. But I imagine that you first have to get insurers onboarded before you can actually end up go getting the service providers or the actual corporate clients on board. How, how, or how did that process actually work? Am I correct? Right. Am I incorrect? So, okay. Uh, so we start off with healthcare providers first, okay. right? So, uh, and it's always this chicken and egg situation, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know, similar, like, you know, some of the e-hailing companies, uh, without drivers, you can't really get clients, right? There's no drivers <laughs> in that sense. So, yeah. So if you, if you want to boil it down, we make things very simple by actually providing people this kind of description of health metrics is a tech platform that connects you to healthcare providers. You could be an insurance company, you could be a company itself, or you could be anyone that is looking to get access to healthcare in our region, right? Malaysia, Singapore, Indonesia. As long as you want to you know, have that kind of service, we have the kind of network and also the infrastructure to support this. So our main basis is always to get the healthcare network set up, make this a valuable proposition to go back to then the insurance companies or also to the companies and saying that, hey, we are working with these guys. We are connecting you seamlessly with them. We are transferring some of this data back to you in real time. So decisions that is being made, uh, you know, it's really more efficient. It's better. It's cheaper as well in the long run, right? So that is actually the situation of, uh, you know, how we started and where we actually choose to start first. Okay. Okay. So looking at that then of the going after the healthcare providers, would there, are there any hurdles in place of looking at the capacity or the willingness to go digital? There's a lot of paper that shuffles around when you, when you go to some of these healthcare providers. Yeah. Um, yes, definitely. I think in, in the early days, uh, people kind of are scared of change, right? Or I won't say they refuse change. Everyone in the back of the mind says that they want to digitize, they want to move to the next stage, right? But it can be sometimes uncomfortable because it's an unknown, right? It's like, hey, I'm gonna go on this journey right now and I can be comfortable at this stage right now. But definitely just like every other uh, you know, businesses out there, there are early adopters. There are mm -hmm. huge believers that, you know what? This needs to be done because we actually believe in this, right? And, and that, that's what we did as well. Uh, to be honest, when we actually first approached this network, uh, not everyone said yes, right? So there's still a lot of skepticism around this. Uh, but at the end of the day, as long as we are actually also, you know, in line with some of the beliefs of a group of, you know, the doctors and clinics, right? We actually started off with them. And when they see the benefit, you know, words kind of spread. And when words spread, 
it becomes easier and easier as like, hey, hey, why are you not even on this platform yet, right? So people kind of talk about it and, and it kind of just grows bigger and bigger from there. But the early adopters definitely were the ones that, you know, helped us grow to actually where we are today. Okay. Okay. And do you, do you do mostly a sales led approach where you're going out, visiting the healthcare providers, telling them the, the, the pros, the cons doing the, doing essentially the pitch, or do you also kind of couple that with a heavy marketing strategy? Right. Uh, when we first started, it was really knocking door to door, right? So uh, even I was going out, partner was going out, you know, we were going to doctors, we we're going to events with doctors, we're just going to every single place where we can actually find, you know, a, a, you know, a, a clinician or doctors or whatever not, right? So, and, and that's where we actually got some contacts as well, like, okay, you know what? Uh, we are doing this, you know, why don't you join us? But mm-hmm. at the same time, we're also trying to make uh, joining us easier, right? Saying that, hey, look, if you join us, you don't really need to actually pay for anything, right? And at the same time, if we happen to provide you clients, it's your, it's beneficial to you. So we mm-hmm. kind of actually went with the concept of not just knocking door to door, but having a great story to sell to the partners as well, right? Saying that we can be your marketing arm, right? So we are actually working with you. And if you're our early adopters, we have clients, we have insurance, we have companies, right? We can send those people to you, to your doorstep. So they see us as also something beneficial that, hey, you know what? I don't lose and in fact, I gain just by putting my name with you, right? Mm -hmm. So these are the kind of things that we have done early of the days before we actually use the network of clinics to try to help us spread by word of mouth. Then that is actually more of a marketing strategy there, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, we, we actually have clients over in these areas and whatnot. So, you know, then they can actually recommend some of their doctor friends that have multiple networks across, uh, you know, the region as well, right? Like whether it's in Penang, whether it's in Ipoh. So, and the doctor communities are very helpful to each other. They are actually well-made community as well. And they are willing to share information if it is good information. So we kind of like, you know, use that network extensively. Okay, so once once you kind of demonstrate value, you can get that referral network going and get, and and leverage that because it's it's like you said. I mean, imagine a lot of them uh, went to the same universities or attend the same conferences. It's a tight knit community that's not really a hyper competitive. Uh, uh, right. space, yeah, yeah. It's community building for us as well, right? That we found to be most powerful. Uh, not just on the healthcare provider side. We noticed this also on our client side as well. Mm-hmm. HR communities don't see each other as comp- competitors, mm-hmm. but yet they love to share among uh, each other, learn from each other. So we are doing a lot, even though we are B2B, right? But we are actually doing a lot of community-driven stuff, right? Okay. So that we can actually build them up to also be able to help us in the long run as well. Okay. And so is your is your primary client the HR department at a corporate entity or do you also deal with the insurers as well? Right. So it's both, right? So we actually deal not just with the HR, but also with the insurance providers. Both can actually be our clients. Now, uh, in essence, as I mentioned earlier, right, we are a platform that connects, you know, users to healthcare providers, right? So both kind of companies can actually use our platform in the sense where, okay, they're using it slightly differently, but mm-hmm. the concept is still the same. Companies want their employees to seek healthcare seamlessly, right? Mm-hmm. And insurance companies want their policy 
stakeholders to seek treatment at hospitals and clinics seamlessly. So in that sense, it's the same coin, just different phase. The core concept is the same as well. So both we, we are actually today serving both insurance companies and also corporate companies as well. And sometimes we even actually tie all of this together. So for example, if a company A says that, hey, I'd like to self-fund some of my benefits on the outpatient basis, and I'd like to actually purchase an insurance plan. So, mm-hmm. and that works as well, right? Where we can actually plug in that insurance policy into our platform that can be managed by us with the healthcare providers. So any claims that come in, we can actually determine where this cost will go to. Does this cost go to the insurance? Does this cost go to the company? And we consolidate this and actually package this payment back to the healthcare providers. So we have multiple users in this kind of environment that we are in. Okay. Okay. So I, I, I kind of get the sense that you're trying to, you're, you're, you're kind of active on all fronts in, in regards to what, where your focus is, because you're constantly needing to st- seek out more medical professionals on the one, one hand of things. And yep. on the other hand, you're constantly engaging with the HR managers, as well as the insurance companies in order to, in order to get the demand side uh, yep. going as well. Jumping Correct. back on the supply side, so I'm I'm envisioning an aspect to to come back to the to the to the analogy with a grab driver. Mm. If I'm in a certain part of town and I and I try and order a grab and there's not one, I can end up getting a little bit frustrated with the app. Yeah, I guess the analogy would be if I and if I am utilizing health metrics and I have a family doctor, all of this for, for me and my wife, and we have these doctors, but then we have kids and there's no pediatrician on the system. Do, yeah. are, do you actively try and make sure that there's no gaps in the types of specialists and the service providers that you are able to have on platform? Yes. I mean, we actively want to make sure we can service all our clients well, right? So it's very frustrating, like you said, you're trying to get a service. It doesn't matter whether it's e-healing or medical, right? You don't get it and, and you're, it's, it's very frustrating. And what more can be said with healthcare? Imagine like this guy is going to the hospital. This guy may, might be having some life-threatening symptoms and this guy's dying, right? It's like, hey, you know what? I need this service. So it, it yeah. can even be more, more uh, crucial to be able to provide this kind of services out to, to them. So what, what we have done is uh, we've actually also done this very strategically as well. We don't just go and, and, you know, recruit everyone under the sun saying that, hey, you're a doctor, just join us. No, right? So we are actually also looking at strategically, right, where today even customers are able to right now request the page, uh, you know, the, the clinic of choice, the hospital of choice, all the specialists of choice on our system. And we are able to let them know we are recruiting these guys for them. And the recruitment process is being shown in real time for them as well. Now, let's just say there's a new clinic that's just been set up, right? And this guy really want to go there. So they kind of put the name in. And this actually creates this kind of positive feedback loop where we are going to the doctor and saying that, hey, we have a client that really wants to engage your services, right? And we can only actually do it because we are managing your employee benefits. So by joining us, you are able to service them as well, right? And we can have the benefits of giving you more patients. Mm-hmm. So this actually creates uh, the environment that everyone is kind of helping each other to be on board the system. And that's something that we are actively doing, trying to make requests easier so that we can get the right specialists, right 
healthcare providers on board for our customers. Okay, okay. So fa- fast forward to where you're at today. Uh, are you are you across Malaysia or primarily in Klang Valley area? Right. So we are covering the entire Malaysia, including East Malaysia as well. Oh wow. So yeah, I mean we have the service. Uh, so so we actually started in Klang Valley. Then mm-hmm. we noticed that. Uh, you know, people in Klang Valley or cust- uh, customers in Klang Valley have multiple branches everywhere, right? And, you know, it can be East Malaysia, it can be yeah. Johor, it can be Bahang, right? So uh, we kind of need to build a network across, uh, you know, Malaysia, even from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And while doing that, then there are new customers from those regions as well. We have customers from East Malaysia saying, hey, I want to deploy employee benefits. So. Mm-hmm. So yes, so it's a very uh, you know network thing across uh, Malaysia as a whole. Okay, okay. And now, what point do you start looking and saying, "Hey, can I replicate this in another market?" Right. At what point? Um, it's when we feel that the product has matured enough for us, because I think for us there was always something new to build, right? There is always a new request, uh, but we cannot say yes to everything. We got to also kind of measure like. Is this make that, that that building something like this makes sense? Uh, you know, that, that does this actually create value for a lot of folks or just that one customer, right? But after uh, understanding our product strategy and have built it towards there, then we tell ourselves that yes, it's it's ready to we are ready to go horizontal, mm-hmm. which means going to multiple markets that can enjoy this kind of uh, you know full suite product rather than trying to launch prematurely and trying to build that. Thing all over again, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, so so what we wanted was really having a good product, a proven market fit product over here in Malaysia before even moving to another country. I would imagine that the the barriers would be relatively low because a lot of the insurance companies, a lot of the companies that are in Malaysia also have the same as you said with East Malaysia, they'll have branches in some of these other countries. So you can get a little bit of an extension uh, yeah. as your entry point into those satellite offices, leveraging the same insured network and so forth. I But I, I can certainly understand wanting to have a full formed uh, because replicating something that's not at full form yeah. product market fit can be a lesson for just kind of burning cash unnecessarily. Yeah? Right. Correct. Correct. And that's exactly what we did as well, right? Just, just from what you mentioned. So when we go to new countries, uh, we kind of get references from a lot of people. Uh, for example, right? When we go to Singapore, uh, there's this references from us there, right? Mm-hmm. There are companies that is here that is also there. Yeah. There are a lot of healthcare providers like, you know, Parkway, Pantai Group, right? Glen mm-hmm. Eagles. Yep. They also have, you know, hospitals over in Singapore as well. Now, this yeah. kind of good references makes expansion so much easier for mm-hmm. us, right? We go there and, hey, look, your Malaysian counterpart is working with us. They're gaining this benefit, right? And they check internally. and Hey, it's true, right? So, and, and this is the type of network effect that we're trying to do across the region because, uh, you know, whether it's Malaysia and Singapore, that is mostly the hub, uh, it kind of then transcends to the rest of the other countries, whether it's in Indonesia, whether it's in Thailand or, or you know, around the region, right? So, and, and that's generally the strategy that we're taking rather than, you know, just go to a new, complete new country where we know, know nobody there and try to actually do the same thing again, right? So, uh, yeah, this is actually part of what we have, our thought process is when expanding. 
Okay. Okay. And I, I'm, I'm curious, this is, this may be a bit of a tangent, but looking during the pandemic period, I, it's all, it's all essential services. So we're still up and running maybe under a different form because of all because of uh, the, the focus area, but during that time period as well, te- there was a lot of telemedicine uh, introduction as well. Do yep. you see that as disruption to your model or is it the same service provider and end user? There's a, there's a client backing it. Is it all same, same for you? Yeah. So we actually see telemedicine as a supplement, right? Rather than a disruption. So uh, as mentioned again about our model, we, we are all about connecting customers to healthcare services, right? Mm-hmm. Now, telemedicine is actually an extension of that. Now, instead of getting treatments or consultations physically, you're getting them virtually, right? Then the core competency for us is still the same. We are managing benefits, which means we are managing the amount to be paid to someone, right? Mm -hmm. So we can actually treat telemedicine providers as like a supplementary treatment provider, where if let's just say we connect the telemedicine providers to the customers, whether it's an insurance client or whether it's going to be a corporate client, we are the ones still managing those benefits, right? And over the course of the pandemic, we have been working with telemedicine and also pharmacy providers as well. So we've actually seen some level of success over there. More customers are right now more accustomed to not just getting consultations online, but getting their medications delivered to their doorstep. Okay. Okay. So tell me about on the on the team standpoint, because now you you've expanded throughout Malaysia, you're in the East Malaysia, you've you've got a big footprint throughout the country. What does the team look like today? And are they dispersed across the country as well? Um, not really, actually. So um, our core team is still in Klang Valley, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, we do have smaller satellite offices in, you know, major metropolitan areas like Penang, in Johor as well, where there are bigger corporate activities over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of East Malaysia and the rest of the, the, the region in Malaysia, right? So we're kind of supporting everything from here. Okay. And because we are more of a digital platform ourselves, so there's a lot of self-service help. Uh, we also wanted to digitize the process, right? Rather than have a physical person to be everywhere. Yeah, that is okay. our belief. Yeah. And how did you go about scaling the team in the first place? I, I always wonder because in the early days, you're wearing all hats. You, you said you went out and did the sales yourself, but eventually right. you start having to hire people in order to take over these, which has its own challenges in onboarding, training, uh, corporate culture, all of these. How did you personally approach this and how are you still? Right. So uh, it was interesting, right? You, you, you mentioned it correctly. When the team is small, I am just chief of everything, right? So oh, okay, I got to handle the sales, I got to handle the, the operations, the finance, you know, the HR part of things. I was even offering contracts to people without a HR, which uh, please don't do that, you know, <laughs> during that time, right? So, uh, and, and so what, what, what we did uh, as a company, right, is trying to understand the core verticals that we need to build. So early on, uh, I'm actually also thankful that I have a tech co-founder, right? So mm-hmm. we kind of established that, okay, you know what? What is the most important verticals that we need to actually uh, build? So we have actually kind of devised that, okay, you know, you are the tech guy, right? So the product and the engineering side is a vertical, is two separate verticals that needs to be built. And I've actually made the decision that, okay, there is 
the revenue side of things. The revenue side will be things like marketing, uh, you know, the, the sales guys, the customer success, and the operations. The operations would then actually be the general operations, uh, the HR, the admins, the finance, right? So in that sense, right, when we actually split it out to these verticals, we actually put people into those verticals as well. Rather than getting someone and say that, okay, uh, I'm doing everything right now. So you are also doing everything, right? Mm -hmm. So every time we hire, we put them into a single vertical, right? And in the beginning, as long as they are in these verticals, it kind of expanded from there, right? So we, we were very crude saying that, okay, you know what? Revenue is all about bringing money into the company, right? Doesn't mm -hmm. matter whether it's marketing, sales and whatnot, because when the team is smaller, their mindset is then geared towards, okay, trying to get customers, paying customers on board, right? And operations is about you know, handling all the internal processes. Product is about looking at the product design, product roadmap, and engineering just focus on coding, right? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, it's kind of built from there on that basis and it evolved from there. And until today, these four verticals still exist, but more specialized. There is the revenue that has this entire marketing department, sales department, customer success, and you know, product has this UI, UX, the product managers, and, and, and that's really how the entire thing was set up earlier for us. We just okay. made that decision during that time to make it like that. Okay. Okay. And do you ever have any challenges in finding the appropriate talents when you go out and recruit for particular roles? Right. Uh, this is the early days, right? You're saying? I mean, early days or now, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, right. it's, a, it's, it's always that question point of, can I find the right person? Right. So in the early days, right, uh, what we, okay. So in the early days, I think uh, we were not loaded, right? So we got to choose mm. who to hire. Uh, <laughs> that you, you know, can very, afford. Very carefully. Yeah, that, that we can afford, right? So, uh, and, and in truth, during the early days when we hire, uh, experience wasn't really top of the list. It was mm. really more of character that we judged, right? Saying that, okay, you know what? There are characters that, you know what? They are from, let's just say, uh, medical industry. And, but at the same time, they have the desire to work, to learn, to understand, and it's willing to go all out, right? And that's the type of people we were looking for, you know? And those were our founding team members. And today, they're still with us, right? And the characters, so as long as you have a character and you're reliable, right? Mm -hmm. Everything else you can learn along the way. So, so it's, it's always like around this, this, this kind of mindset. So for us, it's really about getting these people who really wants to be good at that vertical itself, right? So, and as actually time, time pro uh, proceeds, right? We then actually start establishing specialists. So we were getting more generalists, right? Generalists that has the attitude, the can-do attitude kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then when we establish, uh, you know, okay, right, we need a better marketing strategies and actually whatnot. And that's where we start looking for specialists in those fields as well. So, but whether we can get the right talent, it's always tough, I can tell you. I think Malaysia has, you know, they always say that we have brain drain issues and stuff like that. And I can attest that it's real. Uh, I'm not saying that, oh, it's an excuse. It's not right. So having a neighbor that is strong and, you know, with the currency so strong, Mm. That is so near to us. It's annoying and it's a pain. I can tell you that. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, but at the same time, it also creates this kind of opportunity for us to kind of think out of the box as well, right? So, 
talents are rare to find, but at the same time, we have definitely got good people along the way, you know, in our journey. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Let me transition to a little bit more of a forward looking. So when you, when you look forward, we, we talked a, a little bit about where you are, where the expansion is, and, and a little bit about when, when to cross borders. But when you look at the company, how do you define success? So like fast forward a couple of years, what, what would be the definition of success? What's the target? What's the goal? Right. Now, for us as a company, um, we have really an open-ended mission, right? So the, the, the mission for us is really to optimize healthcare costs. Now, I won't, I won't doubt that, you know, success to a lot of people is very different. And we have a lot of stakeholders on board. So a successful exit, you know, whether it's listing, whether it's acquisitions and whatnot, it's going to be very much possible and would be the success that, some of our stakeholders are looking for, right? And for us, it's also creating that win-win situation to our stakeholders as well as our team members who really believe with us on the start. But I think for us, in terms of the mission itself, we are actually trying to do what I believe no one has ever tried in this region, right? So, um, and when you talk about, you know, trying to navigate through healthcare in such a fragmented uh, country, and, you know, U.S. is really so hard and what more in Southeast Asia, right? So we're trying to actually create this kind of, uh, you know, stickiness with people that uses our platform to really actually see the success in utilizing our services, right? Uh, we're kind of obsessed with customer success in a way. So we look at churn rates so so obsessively sometimes, right? It's like, are they, you know, <laughs> leaving us? Why are they leaving us, right? And... I also realized that it's really not about competing with, you know, the rest of the competition asking like, why are we different from them? It's really about, you know, how do we actually solve what our customers are facing and focusing on that, right? Mm -hmm. So in, in the definition of success, we really like to be able to see, you know, that we can actually unite not just Malaysia as a whole, but an entire region and also internationally in terms of being able to facilitate healthcare as well successfully. So for example, today we are doing facilitation of healthcare from Indonesia to Singapore and Malaysia, which means mm -hmm. it's so easy for someone in Indonesia to come over to Singapore and Malaysia for treatment through us because we digitize the process mm. and we kind of like, you know, build it to the insurance companies over there, right? So, and I think the journey for us here is not just regional, how can we be a global player as well? Because as long as there's private healthcare, as long as there's corporate funded healthcare, and as long as there is this need to connect people to healthcare providers, we know we can actually be in it, right? So, so, so that is probably the definition of success for us to really actually even go beyond Southeast Asia and you know, kind of global in, on that stage as well. Okay, very, very cool. You know, you mentioned your obsession with the churn rates and the and the and the focus on customers. I'm I'm curious then, is there a single metric that you utilize as kind of your north star? Maybe it's churn or maybe it's uh, new accounts. Is there a north star metric that you hold above the rest? Yeah, uh, it's actually lifetime value for us, right? So. So lifetime value is very tied to churn, right? Mm -hmm. So if churn rates are low, it might not mean anything because uh, we want to make sure that the lifetime value uh, is increasing over time, right? Which actually means that users are finding benefits 
to paying us more and more utilizing our platform, which means, you know, uh, today people, there's thousands of phones, right? But people use iPhone because it's kind of like what they want to use. They're willing to pay for it. And LTVs in general, right, as it's tied very much to churn rates as well, is what our North Star really is, or at least it's some of, one of my few personal North Stars, right, that it's like, are we doing something right? And are we people really? to provide value back to us as much as the value that we are providing back to them, right? So that's definitely the one metric that we track and focus on completely, uh, you know, wholeheartedly as well. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Let me wrap things up with my typical closing questions here. So the first one is, is, is there a tech tool that you just can't live without? Right, tech tool. Uh, We use so many of them, right? Uh, I think one of the most... Okay, I'm a very revenue-driven person, right? So the one tool, maybe some of my my you know operational staff or finance staff may disagree, but uh, you know we use our CRMs very you know effectively, right? Okay. So as a revenue-driven person, and and also in terms of looking at data of how our customers react, uh, you know we're actually utilizing CRM like HubSpot right now. You know, HubSpot. I log in into okay. yeah HubSpot all the time just to see you know movements, to see marketing data. Uh, to actually see funnels and stuff like that. Yeah. So personally, that would probably be the tool that I think I cannot live without. So, okay. Okay. Uh, but everyone would probably give you a different answer in our company, definitely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's typically the way that it goes. You know, with with HubSpot, do you cringe every see every time that you see the foreign exchange rates start moving because HubSpot's yes. not a cheap product, and now that the, the, the currency is depreciating, yeah, yeah. It's a, correct, it's- correct. Uh, and 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 you know. Uh, we are trying to justify the reason of why we are still continuously using them, right? So US dollar is definitely yeah, you know, rising. Renewals mm-hmm. are coming soon for us with HubSpot as well. Not a cheap product, like you said. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, trying to just really justify why we should we keep them in the kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's about a 15% change in the exchange rate, which translates yes. to, to a meaningful number. Um Yes, okay, it is. Cool. cool. Let me let me let me let me go to the the second of these questions, which is: if you were to talk to another uh, founder that's just getting started out, what would right. be the biggest piece of advice that you could offer? Right. Uh, I I get asked this a lot. Right. I think my answer is always the same. Uh, if you have no accounting background or you have no finance background, no economics background you know, you must take interest in it, right? So for us, I think one of the earliest lessons, right, for us is trying to drive the business without really understanding financial numbers extensively. Now, you don't need to be experts in it where you need to go and do accounting, you know, debit, credit and stuff, right? But those things need to mean something to you and as well as economics as well. So people sometimes just want to look at the books and what does it mean on the balance sheet and stuff like that, right? But I learned early on that economics can actually change a lot of processes as well. So for example, just just a change in slight interest rate actually affects a lot of things, right? Whether it's our businesses. Now, we're very B2B, right? Mm -hmm. And we, we were actually prepared for it. We know, okay, exchange rate is going to rise, right? I look at my B2B listing of clients, right? And I'm kind of guessing who's going to be affected by this, right? There are property developers that's going to be affected by this mm-hmm. and whatnot. And we're like, okay, you know what? Uh, you need to be prepared. There may be churn or there may be like, you know, they're not going to do so well and stuff like that, right? So th- these kind of things really help me, 
right? And, and it just so happened that I also took an interest in all these kind of things. So I think trying to understand finance stuff, economics, uh, you know, is super important. You don't need to know all this before you start. But when you start, you better start trying to get to know all this. That's what I think. Yeah. I mean, it really helps you understand the market. The example that you just gave, I think I think it's perfect. You can look at your client list and anticipate what the uh, possible outcomes and impacts are going to be for your own business. Correct. Correct. And yeah, uh, and then that's actually widely used by my customer success as well, right? They're kind of trying to anticipate to yeah. be proactive rather than being reactive to situations. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. That that was a great piece of advice to wrap up on. Alvin, thank you very much for, for joining in with me here. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Perfect. All right, that wraps it up for another fantastic episode of The Sea of Startups. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend, go on to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's the best way for us to get discovered and to have these startup stories reach a broader audience. If you have any suggestions or would like to get in touch, you can email me at kevin at indelible.vc. As always, I'm your host, Kevin Rockland from Indelible Ventures, and this is the Sea of Startups.